the pro days, the visits, all that was just trying to wrap it up. But we would usually do that at, at all other positions, uh, more specific to the ones that you might be zeroing in on. Guys, if you have a question similar to Tuesday press conferences, Angela McHire here for microphone. So if you have a question, go ahead and raise your hand. We'll come to you. Hi, this is the coach. Coach, when you're looking at quarterback position now, obviously with the with the tragedy that happened with uh, with Haskins, does that affect your decision, you and Kevin, going in, whether you're going to draft a QB maybe a little bit higher in the draft? You know, as, in regards to Dwayne, um, our energies have been uh, on paying proper respects and supporting his family. Uh, we haven't approached it from a business decision or business decision-making standpoint. We just feel like that's the appropriate mindset for us to have as we as we sit here today. Yeah, Mike, uh, can you just talk about what the moves you have done since free agency and maybe how that will play into what you do or don't do in the draft? How so? What do you mean? Just the players you've added to positions, you you know. Yeah, you know, um, you know, our goal always is to, you know, address all needs and so that we can kind of let the field come to us in the draft. And we feel comfortable uh, that we have quality, capable guys at each and every position. And, and that's what we desire. And, and that way we can go into the draft and, and not feel undue pressure in terms of reaching positionally, et cetera. And so uh, we had a very productive free agency period. We're excited about the guys that we were able to acquire. Um, obviously just beginning to get to know them uh, as professionals and football players. But um, in terms of how we acquire talent, free agency, and then the draft, we think that free agency has really set us up nicely uh, to have a good draft. Kevin or Mike, have you guys changed your best available philosophy over the years to more best available for need? Or is it still the best guy out there on your board? We always have approached it the same way. Um, when free agency began, obviously that that creates some situations where you try to fill in certain holes through that period. As Coach mentioned, we thought we did some of that. And anytime we, we have draft preparations and two players are close, if you have strength at one position and not another and the players are close, you obviously will take that player uh, where your strength isn't as good. Uh, again, you'll make a huge mistake if you reach down down low in your developments and on your boards for players that aren't quite as good because um, what looks like a position uh, need at a certain time can change instantly and we have to recognize that and just try to take the best players available if it's if it's not close Kevin I want to thank you for your professionalism and cooperation over the years. Uh, first of all, the question is for Coach. Uh, Mike, you obviously have a lot of centers in your fold now. Is there any kind of mindset right now as to, uh, is there a default guy, or are you just going to let that all play out over the summer? Yeah, we're going to let it play out. It's good to have position flexibility. Um, and so we got some guys that are capable. Um, it's important uh, to have not only you know, a starter-capable guy, but some depth, and we just feel good about the list of candidates that we have. Uh, for Kevin and Mike, the topic of wide receivers, the boom that we've seen in contracts this offseason, does that speak to the importance, the onus of getting good quality wide receivers uh, on their first contract and maybe loading up on guys on their first contract to fill some of those positions? I, I think that's... Uh, irrelevant to the position. We've always talked about uh, our top three picks. They have to become starters. 
in the in the business model that we that we follow because you have to have so many players fit into so many categories uh, when you miss on a player in those in those rounds which we have uh, you end up spending more money trying to replace them in free agency and we're always cognizant of what goes on at a different position and uh, its impact on a salary cap and hopefully you have some players that are that are worthy of that type of consideration but that comes back to you know what we're about to do on Thursday and trying to make the best picks possible. Kevin, if I can piggyback off of that a little bit, as we see wide receivers, as we see wide receiver classes get deeper and the wide receivers themselves become more developed as they come out of the college game, what distinguishes a wide receiver who's still worth paying, let's say 22, 23, 24 million dollars? What separates that guy when there's so much depth at that position now? Yeah, I, I think again that depth is undefined until they get to this level. And any player at any position that we desire to pay, uh, we feel he better be special at his position uh, and maybe exceed where he was drafted and just recognize what they have accomplished at this level. And, I, and again, I think we can do that at any given position for that special player within that group. Kevin, when we talked to you before owners' meetings, you said you believed that you had a starting caliber player at every position except strong safety. How did you guys kind of come together with Terrell's side to bring him back into the fold, and do you still view that as a position of need going into the draft? Yeah, we were open and honest with Terrell throughout the whole process, as he was with us. Um, you know, it was a, we were able to stay connected and see where it all went. Uh, we didn't know where the market would be. He didn't. Uh, we always encourage our free agents, look, if it's, it's going to better serve you to go out and find out what else is there. And that's part of the decision making. Understand that we're doing the same thing on our side. And fortunately, you know, he's coming back to us and he gives us that 22nd starter, so to speak. Um, and when we say that, you know, I want to emphasize, we're not saying we're good enough. We're saying we have NFL veteran starters at, at each position. And the, the, the draft process will, will provide great competition for that. Um, but it isn't like any of these young men that we draft and will come in and be ordained a starter. I know coach doesn't do that ordinarily, but when you don't have great depth or even what you believe to be a starter, sometimes those guys have to play a little quicker than possible or than desirable, and we like to avoid that. But again, to Coach's other point on the free agency, anything we did in free agency is not going to preclude us from drafting a player at that position. You guys uh, said that you felt good about the process leading up. Did you also feel good with the in-person quarterback meetings and find what you were looking for? And do you need to pick a quarterback in this year's draft? I know. Well, I felt good about the, the process. Again, um, Coach and I met more with that position than we have, as, as I referenced earlier. And then we, you know, we spent time with them, our, our, our offensive coaches, Coach Sullivan, Coach Canada, they spent more time with individual meetings. And it, the quarterback is the most critical position in our sport. Um, and it's, we, we have to get that right. Uh, could we add somebody? Yes. Could we start the season without adding anybody? Yes. And um, we'll see where it all goes, Coach. Yeah, really nothing to add, you know. Uh, I enjoy the process of, of having a heightened urgency per a position. It seems like 
you know, a year ago where we really, you know, chopped up the running backs in a, in a similar way. And so um, I know that the process that we've gone through in terms of getting to know the quarterback pool is, has gained some attention, but it's, it's not an irregular process for us in terms of, you know, locking in and, and getting a feel for a certain pool within the pool, if you will. Mike, as this week kind of winds down for you, I'm sure that there's excitement building for the draft itself. Is there a little bittersweetness there, though, knowing that you're, this is the last time you're going to go through it with the guy sitting next to you? You know, I, I've, I've tried not to think about it, you know, to be quite honest with you. Um, it, it went through my mind a little bit some when we were traveling because we've just had such great times over the years traveling and, and gathering information, necessary information, and getting to know the young men. Uh, but we've been up against it pretty good and hustling, so it hadn't been a lot of those moments. But uh, obviously, it has been a, a pleasure to work alongside him, and, and um, you know, we'll see where the roads lead us. Mike or Kevin? Um, when it comes to the running back depth, what's the expectations for Benny and Anthony McFarland this season, and what's the level of desire to add to that group behind Najee? Both capable young guys. Their resumes speak for themselves. Benny has uh, been capable as a backup runner, has been capable as a teamer. Um, McFarland less so, uh, less availability there. Um, but they'll, they'll define their roles with how they perform um, and obviously how they perform against uh, competition, competition that's here and maybe competition is not here. Mike, you talked about how at, at Georgia's Pro Day about how you guys didn't expect Jordan Davis to be around long enough for you guys to get him at 20. What is the expectation of when you look at this class of you guys being able to get a dynamic defensive playmaker if you stayed home at 20 versus if you would need to trade up to get a player like that this year? You know, we always talk about not speculating uh, what others are going to do because it's fruitless, if you will, and so um, we'll put together our board here in the next 24 to 48 hours in, in totality, and, and as they come off, they come off, and we'll see what's available to us, and we'll ponder some of those possibilities, staying put, moving up, moving down, et cetera. But we just like our process, and we focus our energies on what it is that we do and less so about the potential of what others might do. Uh, Mike, any further clarity on Stefan Tuitt? No, no, no updates. Uh, but he's doing well. Voluntary workouts, anything like that? No updates. And Kevin, have you allowed yourself to uh, smell the roses? No, not at all. Honestly, just to, I mean, just to echo Coach's comments. Listen, it's been a it's been a great process to work with Coach. You, you don't take those things for granted. Um, he loves this part of the process, and that's always makes it an easier endeavor. Um, it's fun to be out and watch him interact with these young men and their families and the respect that he commands on the road is it's very uh it's very impressive and the, the the information that he comes away with that i might have missed is very helpful and it's been a nice great working relationship but it's more than that um no doubt. you share you share the highs you share the lows and it's been great but quite honestly we haven't had the time to think about that. Now, I think that time will come whenever it comes. Uh, but right now, we got we to get this thing right, and that's what we're focused on. 
Mike, you mentioned enjoying the totality of the process that you guys have had this year. After having to do virtual visits the last couple years and now coming back from kind of that in-person hiatus, have you guys changed anything about the process or the way that you do in-person visits, added anything or, or, or tweaked that at all? I, I think that, you know, we're not resistant to change, but we don't change for the sake of changing. Um, and like in a lot of circumstances, I think the pandemic is – has, has taught us some valuable lessons. I think that there's, you know, a lot of information to be gleaned from Zoom meetings, and so that's become a component of some of the things that we do. And just because you have 30 visits, uh, in-person visits, you don't necessarily have to utilize them. And so that's kind of the evolution uh, from a mentality standpoint that we've gone through um, based on what's transpired. Uh, Coach Tomlin, you, you're obviously unbelievably thorough in general in your process but having had the seven quarterbacks here did any of them change your mind in any way was there anything learned in having them in your building beyond your exposure to them out at their buildings you know I, I don't know that we established a strong enough opinion regarding anything to say that something changed our mind I think at the at the outset we, we formulated a plan to have as many interactions with these guys as we could in an effort to to gain a complete understanding of who they are as people and as players. And so at the very beginning, there was an anticipation that we would, you know, have some interactions in Mobile. We would have some interactions in Indy. We would travel to their, you know, to their university cities and, and have that interaction centered around their pro day. And then we, you know, also had planned to bring them in. And so um, I don't know that I was formulating enough of a an opinion at any point in the process because I had an understanding of what we intended to do from a totality standpoint. Kevin, uh, you mentioned earlier that you're willing to trade up, trade down. Past drafts, how many of those moments have come but have never come to fruition in terms of maybe you guys have tried to move up and it didn't facilitate that way or teams wanting to move up to your spot and you neglected that? Does that happen often? Yeah, that's that's a lot to try to recall. Yeah. And when we every go year. when we go into it, um, we will have touch base with every team above us, below us. Hey, they're interested in moving up. They're interested in coming out. Um, we'll guesstimate what it'll cost to move from 20 to seven, and from 20 back down to 32. And you're always making those those assessments. But, you know, we, we can always go back and say, you know, what we gave up for Troy, um, a three and a six to move up more spots than we gave up to move for Santonio. We gave up a three and a four, and I forget how many spots we moved, maybe four. But in both of those endeavors, both those moves helped us win a Super Bowl. And that, that's where we never will lock ourselves into um, you know, they got the, the draft charts with the numbers, and this is a good deal and not a good deal. I, I think you can determine all that only after the fact. So we'll be we'll be knowledgeable of what it will cost, and then we decide it as it as it as it unfolds. I never want to trade for a specific spot without knowing a specific player. Or if you go back to Casey Hampton, when we traded back, we traded back three spots. But we had three people, Casey included, who was at the top of those three that we would have felt good about. So you're always making those um, decisions, but it's never, it's never black and white. Hey, Kevin, I'm going to test your memory here again. Um, 22 of these, I believe. 
Is there any of them that where you look at now and say, yeah, we got that one right, or that was my favorite of any of the drafts? Not, not really. I mean, again, obviously the ones that helped you win Super Bowls are those, but I can't say which, which part of which one because different guys came out of different drafts. I mean, Brett Kiesel was a seventh rounder. Keith Miller was a first, so I, I, I can't really say there's one specific one. Uh, just there's too many to, to look back on. Um, and maybe there's not enough to look back on, too, because, you know, Coach and I are never going to be satisfied uh, with, what, with what our results were or are to this point. So I hope this one's the best one. And, hey guys, uh, I'm sorry, Kevin, back here. You know, you know when you, you talk, every first-round pick carries pressure that comes with it. Quarterback, to a far greater degree, you've got a guy in your building now who was a number two overall pick. It didn't work out in his first, in his first spot for whatever reason. When you're evaluating quarterbacks, how true, how much of a sense do you really get in whether they can handle that added layer of pressure? And do you have to just maybe just trust your gut when you're looking at guys in that position? Man, it's a, it's comprehensive. I mean, myself and the scouts, we watched, we got to see all these quarterbacks live at least two, sometimes three, sometimes seven times. Uh, we've seen them live, so you try to judge that based on how they appear in a game in a stadium on the sidelines with talking to their teammates, talking to their coaches. Uh, we follow that up with those individual um, interviews, and Coach and his staff will ask them certain questions, and I'll let Coach address that as to how are you going to handle this. Uh, you're coming from a small media market. Pittsburgh is a small town. But this is a big football environment. How do you anticipate this? Some of these guys have never been this far east. Um, that was kind of enlightening. But I'll let Coach kind of follow up on that. You know, I think that's why we, you know, laid out such a comprehensive process in an effort to gather as much information and get to know these guys as, as, as well as we could. Because some of the things that you suggest are not football-related but are personality-related. Uh, some people are introverted, extroverted, and settings such as this are draining for them, et cetera. And so for us, it was, yes, getting to know them as players, uh, but, but just a significant a component of it, particularly as it pertains to some of the things that you suggest, was getting to know them as young people as well. Mike, Mike, you, uh, uh, go ahead. Mike this is an organization that has prided itself over the years on stability, there's a lot of change happening this offseason. You're going to get a new general manager replacing a franchise quarterback. You have a new coordinator. How can that amount of change be a positive for you? And, and what's been your mindset in approaching that? You know, I, I, I acknowledge that change is a component of our business each and every year. And so from that perspective, I don't view what's transpired this year as any different. Um, you know, I acknowledge that there's some angst, if you will, regarding some of the changes, some uncertainty. But that's always positive fuel for me. I'm a glass half full guy and I'm always excited about um, the platform that transition could provide us in terms of getting better. Mike, as you evaluate defensive backs, are you seeing some of the hybriding that we've seen like safety to inside linebacker when it comes to safety and corner? Are you kind of seeing that proliferation of passing game in college influencing that position as you've talked about many times with inside linebacker and safety? Yeah, what you see is specialization. You know, um, 
you're seeing guys that are nickels and guys that are dime linebackers, if you will, and and especially, excuse me, it's, it's specialization as it pertains to the passing game or winning possession down or situational football, and um, and so that's exciting just to kind of get a feel for some of that. I know years ago when I was a a secondary coach, you were forecasting whether or not someone was nickel capable, if you will. I think, you know, you fast forward 20 years now, and they're guys that define themselves as nickels. And so that's what I mean when I'm talking about the elevated specialization. And from, from my perspective, that's a fun element of the evaluation to, to, to look at some of the things, uh, the specialized skill sets and things that, that are now embraced and continually embraced in our game. Mike, do you, do you have to make a decision from time to time between a, a player who you think you have a real good beat on and his ceilings here and another guy whose ceilings through the roof but you're not sure if he'll ever get there? And what governs that? Certainly. Um, you know, I, I think in, in a lot of ways that, that, that discussion is weighed. We, we call it the ceiling and the floor. Um, how high is their floor? How low is their ceiling, if you will? And so... Um, you know, the potential component, uh, particularly when you're talking about young people, uh, third-year juniors and so forth, uh, uh, depending on the, the person and the circumstance, is a, is, a, is a portion of this discussion and sometimes a significant portion of the discussion. Kev, other than a, a victory on Super Bowl Sunday, where does draft day round one rank for you from an excitement standpoint? And two, about a month or so ago, you were talking about fresh ideas in your role. How have you seen the process, the evaluation process, of what you do change in the 20-some years you've been doing? Well, I mean, the, the first round is obviously always exciting. I mean, it's it's become a, a day of itself, which, you know, I'm not crazy about. I would like to do all seven rounds in, in one day, but it, we understand it's not. And that's and then those guys should be celebrated because they're one of 32 of, you know, thousand guys you may have started the process with so that the first round will always be exciting um, I'm sorry to change for you. oh the change that we talked about fresh ideas look there's obviously the analytical world is is big um, and it's it's getting bigger uh, and we we respect that and we understand it and we work within it but it's never going to exchange it's never going to take over for the evaluation um, it, it never did in, in my world. It, I, coach understands it and respects it. And, you know, we acknowledge the analytic side more so in the pro side of things when you're comparing apples to apples. Our friends in the baseball world pointed that out to us. You know, the, the amateur scouting for them, they can't really use the analytics because they're comparing high school, junior college, college, uh, minor league players, whatever. Um, and we, we're the same way. Yeah, we'll acknowledge that this guy has a certain percentage of a catch, run after the catch, and so on and so forth. But who'd he do it against on what, on what Saturday? So that world's evolving. I think it's valuable, but I think it also has to have um, some guidelines that go along with it. And the, the fresh ideas will be there, but hopefully the people with the fresh ideas have an understanding of what really is important, and it's what happens on that field on a given Saturday. Uh, yeah, Mike or Kevin, you talked about specialization. How is that pertaining now to maybe slot receivers? And is it almost like you've got two different groups of receivers? 
with guys that are specializing in one versus the other, and how has that weighed in this year's class? It's certainly some guys that that identify themselves as slots, just like I was discussing, that there's some guys that identify themselves as nickel corners and maybe didn't have that 10 years ago. Um, but you also still see the versatility component where guys are slot capable but also outside capable. And you know that we we value versatility and flexibility. Um, but there's a lot to choose from um, at the receiver and those that cover receiver positions uh, in the draft. It's just, you know, we've been having this discussion continually over the last several years. It, you know, it can be traced to a lot of things. The, the 12-month cycle that is football now, uh, seven on seven, the, the skill development associated with those things. Um, you just seen a lot of options in, in, in those spaces. Three more questions. Mike, you talked about thinking about you know this being Kevin's last, last draft specifically when you guys were traveling, doing things like that. Is there a routine or anything that you guys would do before you go out to a visit or anything that specifically made you think about those things? We eat a lot. <laughs> we, 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 we sample regional dining, <laughs> depending on where we are. <laughs> um, but no, that's there's a method to that as well. You know, it's we, we enjoy the informal settings of breaking bread with the young people in their towns and, and getting to know them. And hopefully, um, you know, that's a setting where we can legitimately get to know them in a non-football way. Got a favorite regional dining spot that you guys had to hit this year? Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a sweet tea guy, so there's certain regions of the com- country that, that have uh, high-grade sweet tea. Um, that's where I like to go. Uh, Coach T, you talked to us during the bye week this past year about specifically studying mobility and quarterbacks. Uh, You talked about that a bit. Now that you've gone through this process and you've met with all these quarterbacks and for the first time in your tenure, you're not inheriting a franchise quarterback. Have you figured out what the one most important trait to you in a quarterback is? I haven't. I don't know that anyone has. Are there a few? Can you give me two or three that you know stand? You know, I, I think... I think that is the ultimate competitor's position. And so those that run to and not from competition, those that embrace uh, competition and the intensity of it um, and the anxiety maybe associated with it, um, I think they have a leg up. Obviously, there's some pedigree-related things per the position, arm strength, accuracy, and so forth, but that's evident. It's either present or it's not. Um, the intangible quality associated with competition, I think, is something that's valuable. Last one. I know you guys are only really concerned about what you're going to do, but it, maybe can you take us behind the scenes a little bit this week when you put your draft board together, your mock drafts? Do you guys have a good grasp of what the teams might do in front of you or educated guests where you know maybe a handful of players that might fall to you guys? Honestly, no. Um, and, again, we did away with mocking other teams probably – 10? 12 years ago and we just said I don't know why we do this we're just guessing and it doesn't matter we mock ourselves we're, we're, we're picking first who we taking we're picking that player's gone we're picking second who we taking we go all the way down to 20 and we'll have 20 guys lined up in the fashion that we'll pick them and then we would decide if we want to trade up or trade down and that's based on that earlier question there's values to doing that. And again, when we trade away a third and a sixth, I'm like, are we trading away Emmanuel Sanders and Antonio Brown? We don't know. Um, but we always try to put a player to that 
that scenario. So no, we don't concern ourselves with anybody else but ourselves. And I know there's 20 players. Um, by Wednesday, we'll know the order. We'll pick them. And we'll know who may or may not be interested in, in moving up or, or coming down. And we'll, we'll try to make the decisions as best we can. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate it. We will have some more information. There it is. The Steelers general manager, Kevin Colbert, head coach Mike Tomlin, speaking to the media, their annual 2020, well, their annual pre-draft press conference. Wait a a second. Their annual 2022. How many times have they been doing this in 2022? (laughs) Their annual pre-draft press conference for the 2022 NFL draft. Uh, You know, I just had to make a mistake before we got out of here. So that'll do it for our show today. Um, Listen, there's a lot there that those guys, I mean, that's the 30 minutes there that that, that Coach T and and GMKC just uh, just spoke to the media. Plenty there. We are out of time, but on Wednesday, on Moats Host Wednesday, um, we're going to talk to Terrence Garvin. We're going to talk more draft, and we'll get into some of those, you know, talking about trading up and trading back and all those different things. So thanks to everybody for rocking with us today. Thanks to uh, the Steelers crew down there for getting everything uh, audio-wise hooked up for us. Uh, Our buddy Chris Carter for joining us earlier. Uh, the Power Grid, the Megawatts, you guys for listening and tweeting in earlier in the show. And as always, the best co-host in the business, Arthur Motes. Who, me? So take care now. Bye-bye then. You guys know where to find us on Wednesday. As always, it's at high noon right here on your 24-7, home of the black and gold, Steelers Nation Radio.